Good morning, church. Glad that you're here. Aren't they awesome? Aren't they just fantastic? Man. We are so blessed to just have such talent and uh, just quality kids in our youth group that not only lead up here on Wednesdays and Sundays for us in youth group, but uh, lead in all different assets and facets of our youth group. And man, I'm excited for you to, to hear from them today as we talk a little bit about unity and community and what, what that means for us. But man, I'm glad to be with you here this morning. I'm glad that we're able to gather uh, in the house of the Lord uh, today. It's good. Uh, do you experience fullness of joy in God's presence? Do you experience that joy? I, I hope that, I pray that for you this morning. Um, I know that not every song that we sang this morning might have been your favorite song or, or the song that you know, but I, I want you to know that those words are prayers, are scripture, are, are God-honoring, and uh, man, I hope that we can find some, some unity this morning in, in those elements. Um, but I want to start off this morning and, and kind of share with you a little bit about kind of where I'm, where I'm at and where I've been. Uh, just a, a few months ago, I felt like I was up here, I was able to share with you about uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 8. And in that verse, uh, it says this, it says, it is my judgment, this is Paul speaking, he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And I said in my message uh, around this idea of what are we doing or what can we do to, to throw off hindrances for those who do not know Christ? And how can we make it easy for them to, to come to know Christ and come to know the Lord um, better? And are there things that we can change about how we do church or how we act and how we talk, uh, how we dress? No matter, what is it that we can do to change to try to help us throw off anything that would hinder those who don't know the Lord or, or do not know Christ? And then I, talked, I tied that in with how is it that we're going to reach this new generation? I talked a lot about Generation Z. Um, Generation Z is, is basically anyone who's 20 and under, and this is the newest generation, and, and what are we going to do to reach out to them because they're different than the rest of us, and, and there's some things that uh, are, we're going to have to change to try to reach them and love them into the kingdom, and what can we do uh, to remove any barriers that would uh, inhibit them from coming to know Jesus? And this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about unity. But I'm not just going to talk about it. Uh, I have a few students with me that are also going to share a little bit about unity and a little bit about community and what God has to say about that. Uh, so I want to start off with this little story about myself. Uh, a little while ago, I was with a pastor friend. And I, I meet with pastors uh, pretty regularly, uh, usually youth pastors, um, but there's a few uh, senior pastors that I'll meet with from time to time and, and just bounce ideas off of or get mentored by. Uh, and they're from all over. They're not just in Pekin, but they're kind of in the Peoria, Tazewell area. And I'm sitting at coffee with one of these pastors, and we're talking about Scripture, and we're talking about ministry. And in, this, in the middle of this conversation, uh, he, we get on the topic of, of basketball. And if you know me, I'm a sports guy. I grew up playing basketball. I love, I love to be athletic. And he knew this about me, and, and he, he gives me, in the middle of this conversation, this kind of question statement. And he, and he says, Josh, you don't like to pass the ball, do you? I can tell that you don't like to pass the ball. 
And I'm thinking to myself, yikes. You know, well, I'm not going to pass you the ball after that comment, you know. Um, you know, I, I, and after I picked myself off the ground, I, I kind of dusted myself off. I couldn't figure out what to say. I, all I could really muster was, you know, Pastor, I'm not sure what you're getting at here. Um, I don't really quite understand why you had to make that question statement about me, about not wanting to pass the ball. Because, you know, I, I really don't like to pass the ball. Um, I played point guard in, in high school and on travel teams, and in, on my high school team, I played shooting guard. And, you know, uh, passing is really not a pleasure of mine. Uh, I don't find fullness of joy in it. And uh, I like to score. I like to shoot. Uh, if any of you have played basketball with me, I apologize. Um, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And I do like to hold the ball. But I asked him, you know, Pastor, what do you mean? What are you trying to get at here? I don't quite understand why you made that comment. Because uh, you know the answer. And he said, well, Josh, I've really seen a pattern in your life in, where, in which I see that you, you don't really like to pass, pass the ball. And he wasn't referencing basketball because I never played basketball with him. Uh, he was referencing ministry. He was referencing uh, how it is that I am a shepherd to my flock. And we talked about how, as a shepherd, the Bible, Christ commands me to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But my ministry was me doing the work. Uh, and partly it's because I grew up um, being the man. In my youth group, I was the man. And, and on the basketball team, I was the man. I was the guy who had to get things done. And so I kind of relied on myself for all of that. Um, I had uh, coaches in my life who would look at me and point to me and kind of, you know, you know as coaches do when you get off the bench, you're going to slap on the butt and they say, get out there and do what I've taught you to do. And so kind of brought that mentality into my ministry and where I struggle and struggled to be the coach, I've struggled to equip the saints to do the ministry and really I've done the work of the saints. Um, I've struggled to go from Michael Jordan to Phil Jackson I struggled from going to be the, the star player to being the coach. And uh, Christ is really working on me and sanctifying me and showing me um, the areas of my weakness, uh, which are good. I need to, to have people in my life that will show me my blind spots. You know, we all have blind spots. We all have things that we can't see. And I'm thankful that there's people in my life that love me enough to show those to me, who love me enough to say, Josh, you don't like to pass the ball, do you? And so I, I was thinking about this, and, and it didn't really affect, or didn't really uh, hit me um, until really recently that what he was really talking about was unity in the spirit, uh, unity in the body of Christ. It says in scripture here, it says that the work of, of, the, of the shepherd is to equip the, the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It says this, until we all attain the unity of faith and knowledge in the Son of God. That's, that's, the, that's the job. Hey, equip the saints to do the work of the, of the ministry so that we're able to live and understand unity and, and have full knowledge of Christ. And so uh, I've been processing over the past few months 
What does it look like to live in community? What does it look like to have unity in the body of Christ? And what does God really want from us? Uh, when, it, when God commands us to love each other in the church and that the, the world will, will know us by our love, right? Will know us by our united uh, life together. What does that look like? And, and I'm challenged, does, does unity just look like a handshake on Sunday morning? Or is it deeper than that? Is it more than just a, a casual hello? Or is it deeper than that? What is, what is this love that Christ talks about, the scriptures talk about, Paul talks about when he says that we should be united? See, the, the church was never designed to be known for great speakers, the church was never designed to be known for great pastors, even for great singers. The church was designed to be known for its love, right? Its love. Its love is what changed history. His love changed history even, even when it first, you know, in Rome, when Constantine was looking at, the, looking at the Christians and how they were changing things and how they were loving the community better than they could ever love it. That's the, that's the power of the love of, of the body of Christ as we should have together. And I love thinking about unity in the sense that not only does unity and community and love and acceptance uh, be, is not only is that in the body of Christ, but the body of Christ, when we're united, provides you a place to belong. It provides you a place to have purpose. It provides you a place where you can... Uh, to, to, to achieve a goal, not just individually, but to work together with others to, to make his name famous, to lift him up. And that's what I want to do. I want to honor God. I want us to be unified. And I know that that's, that's God's desire for us, that we remain unified, that we come together and love each other uh, as he has intended us to do. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up with a, just a, a quick story and a little bit left, but I want, I'm excited for you to hear from some students who are going to talk about this element of unity and community in the Church of Christ in, in regards to belonging and acceptance and, and reaching out to others. See, our unity and our, our closeness should draw others into our body. Should, people should want to be a part of the love of Christ that we have. And when I read scriptures, I see this love is not just um, love that is commonplace, but it's love that's uh, transformative. It's not normal love. It's not love that you could find from someone who doesn't know Christ, but it's love that goes beyond understanding. It goes beyond comprehension. I was reading this article in um, the National Geographic about this Christian a guy who had just set out to love radically and to live radically. And there was, I guess, some need from a man in the community to have someone pick him up and take him to the hospital because he had uh, failing kidneys and go through, I think it's dialysis, so that uh, he could uh, uh, have some, some health, right, to, to stay alive, basically. And there, he couldn't find anybody to help him, and this man had heard about it, I think, from somebody from his church, and so he decided, I'm going to pick this guy up, I'm going to take him to his treatment, and I will talk to him during treatment, and I'll take him home. And so he started to do this. And after a week, he came back to his house, and he talked to his wife. And he said, honey, I, 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 uh, I'm going to give my kidney to this man. I'm going to give one of my kidneys to this, to this man. Now, the world would look at this guy and say, you're nuts. 
What are you doing? You're in your 40s. You have kids. You're, you're a husband. Why are you giving your kidney to some old guy? You know? What are you doing? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. But that's the radical, transforming love that we in the church should be known by. See, it doesn't make sense to me, quite logically, how us being unified, us being a community, us loving and accepting and helping people find a place to belong, how that would help people um, believe in Jesus as the Savior. But not everything in the Scripture, not all those equations always add up to me. See, if I was going to think about how I would tear down city walls, I would never think, you know what we should do? The first thing we should probably do is get a bunch of instruments together and walk around the city walls seven times. That will surely destroy the walls. They'll just fall to the ground, right? You don't need any, any bombs or sledgehammers. You know, you don't need to, you to bring any cranes out. You know, let's just walk around a couple, you know, walk around a couple times and the city walls will fall. That would never be my first thought. But the equation, God's equation, doesn't always have to make sense to us. Um, but at some point, we've got to decide that we're going to trust God's word. And when he says that us living unified and us living in love is what's going to draw people to Christ and what's going to show them that God is real, not just that they are going to want to be a Christian, but show, show them that he's the Messiah. That's what, that's what the word says. Show, prove that he's the Messiah. Um, as our love and our family uh, I guess, atmosphere. Does it, does it epitomize what Christ talks about in Scripture, or is it just a friendly handshake on Sunday morning? Do we love radically to the point where the world can't understand why we do what we do? Uh, do we find place for people to belong here? Do we give them a place to be known, to be loved, to be seen? I've got a few students that are going to come up and share um, about just what it means to belong, to be accepted, and how to reach out to, uh, to those who aren't in the kingdom yet. I'm going to first have uh, Logan Cook come share uh, with us first. Hello, my name is Logan Cook. I'm in eighth grade, and I go to Monroe School, uh, Monroe School over by Limestone. Um, I play drums, I sing, I like history, I draw. And I'm really starting to feel a sense of belonging and purpose here, but it always hasn't been that way. Uh, around fourth grade, I had a friend named Aiden, and we both really liked animals and other things, so we got along pretty well. And at the end of the school year, he moved away, so I was without friends. I didn't know what to do, so I started to hang out with people who played the same video games as me and did, like, choir and band. Uh, eventually, around sixth grade, I made a group of friends, and we started to get along together. Uh, Ryder, one of my friends in the group, would always uh, host the games and uh, get everything together so that we would be able to do the things that we wanted to do. And eventually, this power got to his head, and he started using rules to bully everybody else in the group. Uh, And my other friends noticed this, and they decided that the only way that they could stop this was to side with Ryder and start bullying me. Uh, They would call me stupid and other things, and whenever I asked, why are you doing this? They would just say, because I deserved it, even though I didn't do anything, or because I was Logan. And it really got me down, and it made me feel really lonely and unwanted. So I knew this couldn't go on forever, so I started to go along with Ryder, doing whatever he wanted to do, even if it was against God's way. 
uh, I think that we all do this from time to time, but in seventh grade, I was doing this just to make my friend happy so it didn't seem like a big deal. So at the beginning of eighth grade, I pledged that I wouldn't do stuff uh, just to, so I wouldn't get made fun of by my friend group, and God blessed me by giving me the power and strength to just brush off their insults. So, for example, at the cafeteria when we sit down and we eat lunch, when they bring up something that I did on like a video game or like recess or something, and they would make fun of me, I could just brush it off now. But in seventh grade and sixth grade, I couldn't do this and we would get in a fight. In a fight. Um, people would ask me, how could I just be so chill when they're saying such bad things to me? And I would just say that God gave me the power to brush these insults off. Romans 12 through 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And this goes along with belonging because we all have different strengths and talents. And as the body of Christ, we come together and use those talents to accomplish so much more for God's kingdom. This brings meaningness and fullness to the body of Christ. This is unity and belonging, and I know where and who I belong to now. Next is Madison Heiser. Good morning. Um, I'm Madison Heiser. I'm in ninth grade, and I attend Pekin High School. So my fifth grade year, I decided to go out for the basketball team. Um, I hadn't played before, and as you can imagine, I had no idea what I was doing. Well, I ended up making the team, and at the beginning, I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb in comparison to all the other girls. They seemed so much more skilled than I was, and I would question, would I, would I have a purpose on this team? Um, but almost immediately, the older girls on the team, they they began to encourage me, and they just took me under their wings to help me feel more welcome and like I belonged. And that feeling, it never went away. The feeling that I was part of a team and something bigger than myself. And I felt like I was somewhere where everyone was needed because they had a different role to play. As Logan shared, we were all created with the desire to belong somewhere, and you do belong in the church, it's a community of Christ, and there's a place for you. While I was preparing to speak about belonging, I pulled out a little journal that I was given from this year's past mission trip to Colorado that I was fortunate enough to go on with our youth group. In the journal, I'd written my experience of feeling out of place amongst my peers. And during our trip to Denver, we were asked to step outside of our comfort zones. And for me, this is the part of the trip where um, we were delivering food in a food truck and running a Bible school for kids where we'd have to talk to all sorts of different people um, in all sorts of different places. And the group we partnered with was a local group called Metro Ministries. Uh, the way we helped them was, um, well, what other people did to help, they would um, witness and have great connections with the people we were helping serve. And they'd tell them, they'd have other people um, share their stories with them, and I was just able to witness like the connections that other people were able to have, but it kind of made me wonder about, um, they were all like sharing, and they just all seemed so natural in like what they were doing, 
and I just kind of like hung back and I was quiet. So I was struggling with having the confidence to be bold enough to share my faith and just really open up to talk to the new people. Um, but seeing other people do that, and it just made me think that they had greater gifts to offer and they were being way more impactful than I was. So it made me question two things. What was I doing? And why can't I be more like them? Have you ever had a time like this where you didn't even feel a belonging or a purpose? Or have you just questioned yourself? Well, in those moments, God whispered, because that's who he created them to be. You just wait. And sure enough, with obedience I waited, and in a moment of my quietness, God spoke. That was my opportunity to share what he'd given me with someone else. So later on, um, I just felt a nudging from God to just go up to talk to a man who was sitting alone, and he just looked kind of lonely. So by letting God lead me, I felt more comfortable to share with him my story, and in turn, he shared his with me. Um, I learned from him that he was a man named Biff, and he had such an incredible story. I was so glad that I was patient enough to wait for God's timing and let him give me the confidence to be bold enough. I was able to pray out loud with him, which for me was a really hard thing to do at the time because um, I, hadn't, I hadn't really realized at that point, it's not about what you say and how, like, how you sound to other people, but it's really just about the words that you're saying to God when you pray. And for me, that was something really important. And as Romans 12, four through five tells us, each of us um, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, not everyone can have the same skills, abilities, or talents. God's created each of us uniquely. We all contribute to making the community of Christ whole, and we're all needed to be different. Some of you may love to give, serve, teach, help, even organize, and so much more. The church needs you and all of your gifts and talents that you bring. We, the body of Christ, need you and all that you love to do, and everything that you love to do, that can be used. You're all valuable, and you belong here. Just like that same sense of belonging I felt to my basketball team, you can feel the same. We're just like a team. We're like God's team. And we each bring special gifts to the table that serve a purpose. Thank you. Uh, next up is Shayla, who will be sharing more about community. Hello, my name is Shayla, like Madison said. Um, I'm a senior in high school, and um, today I'm gonna be talking to you about acceptance. As a girl in seventh grade of junior high, I wanted to fit in. I realized everybody had something that they were good at. And I wanted to be a part of a team. Maybe that might make me feel accepted. Uh, so I thought I should give it a go to try out for um, any, any sports teams that the uh, Broadmoor had to offer. Um, I tried out for volleyball, cheer, palms, track, and basketball, and didn't make any of them. Um, 
it made me feel even more out of place. Um, on top of feeling that I didn't belong, I felt like I wasn't wanted. Um, but my last hope was basketball, uh, thinking that uh, maybe I can just be a part of something. Um, and the coaches, the coaches were cool, so um, I wanted to be a part of a team somehow. And that's when I became the manager, uh, which wasn't a great <laughs> place to be. Um, uh, I thought that this might make me happy, at least saying that I was on a team. Uh, but I didn't feel the sense of belonging or acceptance that I thought I would. The team players made fun of me for not making the team, and I wasn't even allowed to play with them. I'd just sit and set up the practice. And every day I had to sit there and watch them do something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of that. Um, but I stuck with it through the rest of seventh grade year, hoping that it would get better. Um, and then eighth grade came along. Uh, and I tried for basketball again, just that. <laughs> And I didn't make it. Uh, I was really upset because I thought maybe that I created a relationship with these coaches. They might choose me for and see me for who I am. But um, long story short, I became the manager again. And then a week later, quit that because I realized it wasn't for me. It wasn't who I was. Um, and I just thought to myself, man, I'm just not good at anything. Um, one day, my friend Emily came up to me and uh, asked if I would join choir with her. And I had no idea what music was at that point, so it was something new. And I tried it for it anyways because there's really nothing else I had. Um, and I found out that I, I did like music, and uh, singing was something that made me happy. Um, uh, the best part was, though, at this time was um, I was going uh, to this church called PFN uh, here, and um, my aunt and uncle went, so I thought I should give it a go, and uh, I later joined the youth group um, of that year of 2013 when it was called Revolution, and now it's called Refuge. Um, there's this thing they had there called Praise Band. I had no idea what a praise band was. Uh, but um, I knew it had something to do with music, so I tried, I tried for it, and I made it. Woo! <laughs> so that's great. Um, the best part was that I was growing through Christ through that. Um, everything that the youth group had to offer for me was new, and it was a great experience. And so I took that, and I just I ran with it. Um, it grew. Uh, I could use the talents God gave me for the kingdom, and it's a great feeling. Um, and I was finally satisfied, not because I made praise band, but because I was in the presence of the Lord, uh, that he fulfilled me, and my foundation became upon him. Um, I realized I didn't have to gain the acceptance I so badly wanted from trying out for all these teams because I knew that I was already accepted from Christ from day one. And uh, um, being uh, in refuge really helped me to see that and grow my relationship with God um, and do music at the same time uh, so I can worship. Um, this past Thanksgiving, we had to write about all the things we're thankful for. 
And one of them being that I'm thankful that I went through that experience because I don't know if I'd be here right now, um, but God will have, um, he would get me here eventually. Um, but it made me realize um, that God can take something that you struggle with in your life and he can make it beautiful because look where I am right now today. And um, I would have never thought that that would have been that way. Um, going along with that is a scripture in Ephesians 20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is a work within us, to him be glory in the church and the Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I had so much to look at when I was in junior high, and I, had, I would have no idea because God had this plan for me to come here. Um, and it's great and more than anything I could imagine. Again, he took something that I struggled with and he made it beautiful. Um, next up is gonna be Andrew talking about uh, investment and loving others to join the community. Hi everyone, my name is Andrew Wolf, like Shayla said. I'm also a senior at Pekin High School. Next fall, I would like to attend Olivet Nazarene University and major in biology to eventually become either a pediatrician or a family doctor. To begin, I'd just like to say thank you all for being a great church family to me. I've been a part of this church my whole entire life, um, growing up in early childhood and always watching Jared juggle the little action figures out of the toy box being a part of caravans with Mr. Duane and Mrs. Diana and Mr. Fred and Mrs. Rosie, to now being a part of the youth group with Josh, Troy, Joe, and Zach. Obviously, there were many other people that are part of this church that devoted their time to make my church experience and time with God a little better, and I appreciate all of them. But I would have to name over half the church if I wanted to recognize every single person that invested a little bit of time into me. I just wanted to name a few people in particular to show that every single step along the way in my church experience and walk with God, there were people willing to give up their time to make me feel happy and loved. Have you ever felt loved like that? Have you ever felt so connected to so many different people from so many different places who genuinely care for your well-being? Isn't it a great feeling? Unfortunately, not everyone from birth gets such affection from so many different people. Many actually feel pretty lonely and disconnected. Um, in fact, I was doing some research and Cigna, which is a global health insurance company, conducted a survey um, of over 20,000 Americans to examine behaviors driving uh, this loneliness epidemic by using the UCLA Loneliness Scale, which is like a 20-item questionnaire that assesses feelings of loneliness and social isolation. Um, the results of this, these surveys were, quite frankly, shocking. 47% of Americans report sometimes or always feeling lonely or left out. One in four Americans rarely feel as if anyone understands them. Two in five Americans believe that they are not involved in a meaningful relationship. 
and only 53% of Americans report having meaningful social interactions, like having an extended conversation with a friend or hanging out with family on a daily basis. It's awful, isn't it, that so many people in our country feel this way? It isn't all cupcakes and rainbows for everyone in the world. There are real pain who have real, re, there's real people that have real pain out in the world. Now you may be wondering, what does this have to do with me? I'm just peachy, Andrew, thank you very much. Well, I have a Bible story that will help you see the connection. Luke 5 verses, 7, verses 17 through 20 say, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. You know, there's lots of excuses that those guys could have come up with to not get that man to Jesus. It doesn't even say here that these guys even knew the paralyzed man. Yet they went to such great lengths to get him to Jesus. I mean, for goodness sake, they lowered the guy through a roof. Who does that? That is the kind of faith that Jesus calls us to have. He wants us to pick up that person who is hurting and alone and show them the love of Jesus and somehow, some way, bring them to him. Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25 say, And let us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. God calls us Christians to help people connect to the community, make them feel like they belong, and love and show them that Jesus accepts and loves them. It's our job. It isn't a nice suggestion or an extra credit project from God. It's our job. There are people out there that are paralyzed, paralyzed by loneliness and isolation. They need to get to Jesus, but they can't get to him on their own. So I ask you, who are you going to lower through the roof to Jesus? I have this friend from school, his name is Nate. He's also a senior and wants to attend Olivet, just like me, and study to become a pastor. We've known each other since I'd say about middle school, but really started to become friends in junior high. Nate wasn't a Christian at the time, nor did he have any desire to. He would be the first to tell you that he was all about being popular, and he was popular, so why would he change things up? For some reason though, the Holy Spirit just kept poking and prodding me about Nate until I was like, Fine, I'll invite him to do something at the church. On the outside, Nate didn't look like he wanted anything to do with the church or God. But for some reason, I could tell just he was on the fence spiritually. Like he really wanted Jesus, but didn't want to admit it to anyone. So I invited him once. I invited him twice. I invited him again and again, dozens of times, to things at the church like basketball, manly man, refuge parties, you know, the works but he politely declined each and every time. Finally, I decided that he wasn't going to say yes to anything church-related, so I left it alone and just stuck to being his friend. That was my eighth grade year. 
In high school, we kind of drew apart from each other. I would hear stories of some of the things he was doing those days, and I, I would always just think in my head, man, Jesus, you were way off on that one. And it wasn't until I think my junior year when I overheard that Nate had given his life over to Christ and was passionately, and I mean pas passionately, pursuing God's plan for his life. God's pretty smart, isn't he? Even though I wasn't necessarily the one that brought Nate to Jesus, I was a part of the process. And for all the basketball fans out there, I couldn't help but quote Joel Embiid by saying, just trust the process. I also found myself thinking about Pastor Cheryl's illustration a while ago with the wooden blocks uh, when she pulled out those big Jenga blocks and lined them up in a row and then pushed them down, then took one out and showed how sometimes by taking one block out, uh, someone might not be able to get to Jesus. Even though my block wasn't the one that pushed Nate to Jesus, it was one of the blocks that kept the line going. Making Nate feel like he was wanted and that other people were looking out for him could have been one of the reasons that Jesus finally got a hold of him. Sometimes it takes a little pursuit other than the one, hey, how you doing, and shake of the hand to make people feel connected. Now, I wish that all my stories about making people feel loved and connected in my life ended up perfectly, just the way God had intended, but unfortunately, I make mistakes. I have a buddy I've known since grade school that I've gotten really close to over the years. It was the kind of friendship that when we got together, people were just like, oh, great, what's going to happen this time? We both love to laugh together and have the same exact humor. So anytime I think something is funny, so does he. So it works out, even if no one else does. He's a great guy, and I love him to death. And what was even better was that he was on fire for God. At camp, he had just been called to be a missionary. He read his Bible every day, and he was walking God's path for his life. Everything seemed great for him until one day he got into a horrific car accident. I visited him in the hospital, and on the outside he seemed fine, but I knew he was really hurting. But he didn't want to talk about it, so I didn't ask. Days, months, years went on, and we both decided, just decided to pretend that nothing had happened. Um, he didn't come to church as, so often as he had before, and we kind of just stopped talking. Through all this, what do you think I did? I must have been with him every step of the way, right, and helped him reconnect back to the community and show that Jesus still loves him? Wrong. I did nothing. When my best friend was in need, I sat back and watched him struggle. At camp this year, God showed me that I had really screwed up. I mean, this guy's my best friend, and I didn't even try to help him. How disgusting is that? During our prayer time with our cabin mates, he finally decided to just let loose what was on his mind. And really, it was like God just gave me a slap to the face. I was to blame. When he needed the love of God to be shown to him, God put me in the position to get the job done, and I didn't. I was at fault here. I broke down as we prayed over him and later apologized to him for not being the influence and friend I should have been. Do you see how different situations turn out if you do the work God wants you to do or don't do it? I gained a great friend by listening to God and nearly lost a great friend for not listening to God. God gained a great guy for his kingdom and nearly lost a great guy for his kingdom. We all not know God calls us to be disciples. He didn't just return to earth after being crucified and said, 
don't worry, guys, I'll take it from here. No. In Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Like I said before, it is our job to lead people to Christ. And the first step is to show those people you know who are disconnected, broken, and alone that Jesus has and always will love them and that they are accepted by me, by you, and by him. In the bulletin, there's a blank card. You may have seen it. Today, I'd like you to take this very seriously because there is a world of hurting people out there who need to feel love and belonging. I challenge you to pray hard on this and write down someone you know who is lonely or disconnected. They feel as if they don't have anyone who genuinely cares for them. I challenge you to not only put that person's name on that card, but to actually go out and be conscientious about showing them that you care for them, just like the people in this church did the same for me. This is meaningless if you just decide to write that person's name on the card and think about them only until you walk out of those doors and then just forget. You saw how that almost turned out for me and my friend. Luckily, God got a hold of us. We're talking about being a catalyst and loving your neighbor, right? Well, just like Pastor Brock and Cheryl have said, your neighbor isn't just the people living next door to you. It's the people you interact with. Have some meaningful conversations with your neighbors. Love on them and give them reason to feel accepted by you because you might be the only one that cares enough to do it. The holidays present a particularly perfect opportunity to show the people around you that they are loved because these times can be especially painful for people who are alone while everyone else is out having a great time with their friends and family. Invite them over for cookies or to dinner or even just go out of your way to say hello and ask how their day's going and what their plans for the holidays are. Invite them to the Christmas Eve candlelight service or invite them to come decorate the church with Christmas decorations if they're into that. Knowing that people are out there who are purposefully pursuing you is a good feeling and can be the difference of following one path or another, just like my friend Nate. Let's just stay purposeful on how we are listening to God and how we are doing our job, helping those people who are alone and afraid, who need to be lowered through the roof to the feet of Jesus. So as Submerge plays this song, just uh, take some time to think and pray over that card. Children weep no more. 